As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Aspects of Writing with your host, James Kelly. For the next 60 minutes, we'll explore every aspect of writing, including how to create, format, and even sell your work. Now, let's get right. Here's your host, James Kelly. Hello and welcome to Aspects of Writing. I'm your host, James Kelly, and my co-host for today is Morgan St. James. Our guests are Cher Chisney and Adam J.A. Kaz, and we're going to be talking about From Book to Script. So first I'd like to introduce my co-host, Morgan St. James. Morgan, please tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Hi, everybody. Well, I'm somebody who's had a lot of careers, and the most recent one, 20 years, is writing. I write um, funny mysteries, and I've done some not autobiographies, but memoirs for people who were abuse survivors. And uh, at present, I have 18 books in publication, which includes two series. One series is The Silver Sisters Mysteries, and the other one is, ready for this? Revenge is Fun. And all of the Revenge is Fun books have something to do with somebody getting even, although they are mysteries. And um, I've been a guest on James' show before, and now I'm doing an occasional gig as his co-host. Yes. So thank you, James. You're welcome. And I'm not going to go on too much about me because we have some very interesting guests with us. Oh yeah, today. we have the, the we have the mask author on today. Yes, the mask uh, author. <laughs> For those who who watch the video portion, you'll have to tune in and see what we're talking about. Um, <laughs> The reason I have Morgan on with you today is because Morgan, even though it isn't an option right now, at one time she had one of the books she worked on with someone optioned to Sony Studios. You know, she's going to have a little knowledge about how all this works, and that's what we're going to be talking about today is from book to script. And I also write scripts, so this will be a fun show. Our first guest is Cher Chisney, and Cher's been on my show before. And then we also have Adam on, as I said earlier. So I'm going to let Cher talk a little bit about who she is. Give us a little bit of your background. And by that, I mean where you were born, how you got to Australia, and that whole venture. Oh, I came here. Uh, I was born in Singapore, and I came here in 74. Okay. Uh, I'm the youngest of 19 children. How many? No, did I hear 19? Yeah, no. <laughs> from one mother. My father had two wives and a concubine. Okay. So, yeah, so a very big family. So, uh, yes, it was a fairly complex sort of family. And I actually wrote a, wrote a memoir on it called The House of the 99 
closed doors. Within the family, there was sort of rank and file, there was bullying, there was incest, all sorts of things that went on. So well, whatever doesn't kill you, make you stronger. Absolutely. Uh, uh, and so at the age of 20, I escaped and came here. To Australia. Yeah, to Australia. And uh, I've been here ever since. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, my father was born at the end of Chin Dynasty. That was how old he was. Uh, he was 16 when I was born. Wow. And so it's different, different era. So coming from a very dictatorial country like Singapore, where chewing gums would be banned, I, I thought all my Christmas came at once when, when I came. And then I came at a... At the point of time when the Prime Minister Gov at was sacked, I was out in the streets. My mother didn't know. You were protesting. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, protesting. protesting. I, I was a maths teacher for a while. And then when I wrote maths curriculum, and then I wrote text called Magenta's Diaries, using stories, the mathematical context. I was thinking, this is really good. So I took one year off and gone into writing instead. And never return up to that. Mm. <laughs> never return to teaching. And so, yes. Uh, so at first I wrote poetry, I write short stories. And in 2010, I self-published The House of the 99 Closed Doors, describing my parents' background from China, escaping the Japanese. And they, the Japanese followed them into Singapore. And the 19 children that play football <laughs> at, the end of, at the end of the week. And, and, and that all sort of thing, the complication, the whatever. And then I went on to publish Tang's Quest, which is a novel about a, a Chinese man coming to Australia, come to Australia to work on an illegal passport, a fake passport, and the difficulties that he had gone through, not so much to malign anybody, but really to show uh, there are desperate people with desperate aims, and people do that because they are desperate. Right. When you're desperate, you're going to f- do desperate things. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so Ken came, and he didn't fit in, and then he had fights with his assistant. His assistant was a race, explicitly racist. Ken was implicitly racist. <laughs> so the both of them sort of fought along until... Until the um, king saved his assistant's dog, and they became friends. And then they, the barrier came down, and they began to talk. But then, oh, with all the prejudices that King brought of him, he began to see see what pre-assumptions, what his tribal voice was doing to him. That, you know, oh, the Aussies are lazy, they never work hard enough, blah, blah, blah. He began to see that it's not that simple. And in red, his assistant was saying, come on, look at this. Look, just look at what you're saying. What is coming out of your mouth? King doesn't say terribly much, but when caught off guard, his prejudices will come out. And so it's a learning curve for both of them. So he came on a, a visa, a holiday working visa that, that would end in one year. Every three months, he's got to shift to a different place. His end was coming. So he decided to do a course. Although he writes very well, but his spoken English was 
not quite right. He's got a, a, a very strange accent that people find it hard to understand. He fell in love with Julia, his teacher. But Chinese tradition say you cannot fall in love with your teacher because <laughs> teacher is like your parent. This is no, no, no. He just went on and kept on dating her. Again, Julia picked up on his errors and his flaws. Another, it's all his prejudices that came up. He's, you know, he's macho. He doesn't. He, that woman has too many rights. He's controlling. And Julia also taught him how to enjoy small pleasures of life. And then maybe his chase, his chase for wealth and status, and it's not that important. His quest, but primarily the whole thrust of Kensko is for people to see that hey, listen to what your tribal voice is telling you. Mm-hmm. Where are your prejudices coming from? What is the media telling you? Is it right? Not so nowadays. So it sounds like a little bit about a little bit about what you wrote has to do with your past, even though it's it's fictional. Well, I I would think that the fact that you emigrated to Australia would give you the insight on how this man would have done that, even though he was in a desperate situation. And speaking of desperate, Cher. I'm desperate to see your beautiful face behind that mask. <laughs> I think it's time you take it off. Right? Ah, take take it, it off. off. Take it off. <laughs> uh, yes, it's um, primarily, you know, people are quite happy to, to, to welcome uh, in the past. Uh, people coming in by boats, by whatever. Um but I want to see this a step further, that if a person like Kang from China, who came through the Cultural Revolution, who had a whole heap of problems with not trusting people, with being judgmental, being, being, being regimented, how would people keep their prejudices at bay and be compassionate? And I think that's a good lesson in life because that is reality. Yes. And, you know, oftentimes when someone thinks they're being prejudiced against, they don't often realize how they're also prejudiced against that same person. And you have to take, you have to sit back and take a look at yourself and examine yourself a little bit, no matter who you are. We all have prejudices. I mean, that's just human nature. Yeah. Well, you know, the thing is, we're not born with those prejudices. No, we're taught that. We're ex- either taught or exposed to them. And the biggest thing is being able to open up and see the other side. Because like James said, a lot of times people just don't realize that they are the ones that are also prejudiced. They're prejudiced against the person that they're holding responsible. Right. I want to talk a little bit to Adam, and we need to get Adam in here. And Adam, please tell us a little about who you are and what you do. And boy, do you have a large resume. So I don't know if you can mention everything, but please well, give us a sure breakdown. Me to put everything. I sent her a really short resume, and she said, do more, send more. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't have anywhere near as interesting a background. Uh, I, I grew up in Australia. Um, uh, I started in the world of writing um, really as an actor. Uh, I've always been involved in the theatre more than um, anything else, really. Uh, uh, I've been involved in a little bit of TV, a little bit of 
uh, I've written a novel and a, a couple of other kinds of books, but it's, it, theatre has been my thing since I was about 19, I suppose. Um, but, yeah, I was an, an actor for a very long time and then started directing plays. But I'm quite a, a large man, and uh, I was I was told pretty early on in my acting career that I wouldn't get the roles, the, the main roles, until probably I was in my 40s, which I am now, um, and that I was encouraged to, to try writing. And I wrote a short play, and it was received really well, and, and that... Um, I guess cascaded, when you get a little bit of feedback that something you do is good, I suppose you can become a little bit addicted to that. And I then I then wrote a lot uh, over the last 25 years, I suppose, 20, 20, 25 years. I, I've written a lot of different plays, a lot of different things, and doing a lot of different uh, work. This is actually the only, only the second time I've ever adapted a book into a play. Okay. And, and I find that a... a, 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 a really challenging thing to do. I've, I've adapted a lot of um, historical events and things that have happened in the world that I can piece together from research. I've done a lot of that kind of writing, but I haven't done a lot of taking someone else's story and, and putting it on the stage. And actually the only other time I've done that, it's with a writer who's not alive anymore. So, so this is the first time I've, I've worked with a, someone who is living and breathing and invested in every single decision I make. <laughs> and, I, yeah, I, I, and I can tell she's a handful. <laughs> I didn't expect the mask, but now... <laughs> you didn't know what you were bargaining for when you got involved with her, huh? <laughs> yeah, well, that's right. <laughs> well, you have. You, I see here so many plays that you've worked on, and you, you also have. You've written. Did you write a book? Yeah, I've, I've written a couple of novels, but one that w- the the book of mine that sort of has people know about is actually a book that's the history of a, a local theater company here, the La Mama Theater, which is based on La Mama Theater in New York. It's uh, a, a, a theater. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. In Melbourne, Australia, that's inspired by La Mama Theater in New York and 
they're, they're both of both of those theaters are theaters that champion the independent voice and the and the small sort of unfunded theater and the the little theater the theater in a tiny black room and and that that theater company La Mama Melbourne turned fifty recently and I, and I wrote a book that um, it wasn't a, a hardcore history of of La Mama it was really just a book that tried to capture the spirit of La Mama and I and I. Um, for that, I interviewed a lot of different people who've worked at the Mama over the years, and, and um, included a lot of beautiful photos in in, in that book that, that just basically tried to um, evoke what it's like to work at the Mama as an artist, visit the Mama as an audience member, and and what what it means to have something like the Mama in the community. And that, that's the, the book. And actually. Not long after I wrote that book, unfortunately, La Mama burned down. So oh, wow. <laughs> it, was, it was timely, um, and we are glad because a lot of the archives were lost as well. So it was, it was great in many ways that we managed to collect a lot of that stuff together for the book. So they're rebuilding, but it was a, it was a, it was a big, uh, yeah, that was a big project of the last few years. Well, how nice that you did that, though, to sort of memorialize yeah. the yeah, theatre. So yeah. that everything, you know, wasn't lost during the period of time that yeah. they're rebuilding. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Adam, why don't you tell us, we already know we spoke to Cher. <laughs> why don't you tell us a little bit about how you came into meeting Cher and adapting that book? Yeah, I, I um, Cher put, it, put out a, an ad, actually, looking for someone to, to adapt the book. Uh, and I, I happened to be the person who was designing the pub publication that that ad went into. <laughs> and, and I, I do a little bit of um, uh, graphic design and, uh, uh, as a sort of side job. And I thought, well, I might apply for this. I, I, I probably won't get it because it's about an Asian man and it's a, it's a, a Chinese man. It's an Asian story. It's a story of immigration in Australia, a story of racism. And I'm a middle-aged white man, you know, so, so I thought it's not, it's not really my story to tell. But, but what I thought I, I might be able to offer is because um, I've done a lot, of, uh, a lot of work with a lot of different voices, a lot of work in the community with a lot of different voices. And, and I, the one thing I think I can offer is how to bring something on the page, on, from the page onto the stage and, and make use of all the theatrical elements not just in the production of the play, but 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 um, in the writing of the play as well, and and turn it into something that that can live and breathe this, this in a in a different but complementary way to the way that the, the book lives and breathes. So yeah, I just applied. I just applied for the job, and sure hired me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I was probably recommended to her by um, Liz Jones, who runs La Mama Theatre, where where I work and where. Um, share approach to put, to put the ad in. So, um, and I've got a long, as you know, from writing the the book for her. I've got a, she's Liz who runs La Mama has been working at La Mama for forty five years. So it, it's you know I've got a long background with her. She knows me well, and I think she might have talked me up. I, I don't. I don't. <laughs> so I think it's interesting to hear that Cher placed an ad for someone to help write the play. I wouldn't think to do that. I mean, I guess there are sites here in the United States where you can go on the internet and you can place a log line or a synopsis and hope that someone will be interested in your script or whatever. But it never dawned on me to place an ad to have someone <laughs> take your Why work. You <laughs> yeah. Well, I, 
well, with, as I said, um, before I, I, I went, I, I had given the project before, uh, at first I thought I was going to write it. You see, I, I have actually written a 10 minute play sometime before and there was stage at Melbourne, Melbourne Town Hall. But then I look at 60,000 words <laughs> where it turned into a play when I've got no background whatsoever to write such a long, you know, lengthy play. I, I don't think I have the skills. I think I'll keep my skills in the writing of novels. <laughs> You know, I think that... And not deviate too far. That, so. Yeah, I was just going to say that was a very wise decision, Cher. I feel the same yeah. way. I mean, I'm very confident when I'm writing fiction and nonfiction, but I know my skills don't extend to doing screenplays, and I wouldn't attempt to do it. I mean, some people would just say, oh, I'll buy some screenwriting software, and it's not going to be a big thing, and mm -hmm. I've been writing for a long time, and they wind up with something that is not a professional effort. I actually started writing scripts first. The very first thing I ever wrote was a script. I never wrote a novel. And then someone said, in order to get the recognition you need for that script, you might want to think about putting it in a novel format. So for me, it was the opposite. Yep. I had to go and create the novel from the script. But you had these training to do a, a screenplay. No, I did not. Oh, you I, did not? No, okay. I went to the university. I went to their library, looked up various formats for writing a script, uh, found one that looked the easiest <laughs> – <laughs> and that was before you had your, your software like Final Draft and stuff out there that was readily available. So you basically were using a selectric typewriter and you were putting it in that format, which oh, was not as easy. Not as um, easy. But, you know, because I'm old. So it took me, you know, I was back in the ancient days of writing. You're a kid. Yeah, right. So, you <laughs> At know, least to me. <laughs> it, it wasn't the same as it is today. Now you can buy the software. And when I know what Morgan just said, but it truly is easy to write a script today compared to 20, 30 oh, years yeah, ago. I, I would think so. But all – and Adam, you can probably, you know, verify this – it's a whole different ball game. It's writing the off-scene direction. It's writing the action direction. And, you know, you, I, I would think that you have to know what camera angles are. You have to know. No, how, not necessarily. No? I mean, I, I found what, one of the things I, I've, I, I have written, tried to write a couple of screenplays, and even the jump from a, a theater play, a stage play to a screenplay is, is quite a big thing because... I mean, this isn't this isn't a hard and fast rule, obviously. But for a stage play, it's it's largely about the words, and it's largely about the things right. that an actor's saying. But film, as we know, is a visual medium, and, and right. so your brain has to kick into a different gear. But also in terms of the just the way to set out a play and those programs that you can get to, to show you how to do, do a screenplay, I find a little more a little more constricting writing a screenplay because there are such hard and fast rules for how you, you have to write a screenplay, how you have to format it, how you have to do everything. When you're writing a, a stage play, you can make up your own rules, and that's something I, as a writer, love to do. I, I, I love to look at um, uh, my pages and know that's my page. No one else's stage play looks like my page. And, and I mean, I, I took it from, again, looking like you did, James, from something that, uh, you know, reading in plays in the past, oh, yeah, I like the look of that one. But... I think you have a lot less constriction when you're writing for theatre 
than you do when you're writing. Well, when you're writing a screenplay, you only most screenplays have to be within ninety to one hundred and twenty pages, and the reason for that is every page represents one minute of screen time. And you have to be concise because, first of all, you're not – in a novel and probably more in a play, you're giving more description. You're describing the setting. You're describing the characters, and not so much in a script. You're, it's all driven by dialogue. Um, you do give a set. You do get a, the, the scenery pretty much, or just, a, but it's a, a short synopsis or a short tagline, like one or two sentences. You're not descriptive like you would be – I don't know about the play, but certainly in a novel, you're more descriptive. You leave that up to the director to decide what the setting is. You give him some idea, but then he basically does that whole setup for you. So it isn't the same as writing a novel. You're much more descriptive in a novel. Well, see, you just validated what I said. It showed how little I know about screenwriting. <laughs> it's really hard you know, to, to know when – because I write the script first, for me – Writing the script is easier. I always hear the opposite. Everyone says to me, well, I've tried writing a script and it's very difficult. Maybe it's because I write the script first and then try and write the novel that it's just easy for me because I'm so used to it. Yeah. Well, you know, you've had John Diamore on the show. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And John is in the process of he, – he is a screenplay writer. Right. And he is in the process of transferring all his screenplays into books. Well, Adam, if you're an actor, you have actually read scripts then, motion picture or television scripts. Yes. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. And, and for me, actually, the biggest leap from being an actor to being a, a, a writer for the stage, and I, and I kind of I consider myself an actor even when I'm writing in many ways because <laughs> I, I acted out a little bit. But the thing that I found hardest, and I, and I, I struggled with, with this for probably two or three years, was actually just being able to see the people on the stage in my head. Just actually being able to see the figures of the people in the stage so that then I could put words into their mouth. And it was a real it was a real shift for me to 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 just be from being the person on the stage to then being able to picture people on a stage mm-hmm. and then then make it right for them. And once once my brain was made that leap, then it became easy. Then it was then it was a simple job. But, yeah, it is not easy for Adam to Visualize how the Chinese lady in the tree are, and all the sub, uh-huh. all the subtexts that, that <laughs> she's gonna throw at the audience, yeah. all the three different meanings that the Chinese can 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 put out. In the play, obviously, English is the, the whole play is in English. Is that correct? Share uh, mostly. There is some Chinese. Oh, there is. So how how do you convey that to the audience? We have them speak. Uh, uh, all the Chinese that's spoken is translated also into English by, by uh, other voices. But actually, what Sha was just saying uh, is a really interesting thing for me because she creates a, a character in the book that she describes very beautifully. But because I don't have the cultural references of, of the woman in the chipa, and I didn't even know how to pronounce that, I've just seen it written down <laughs> the woman in the, the, the dress, the, the, the beautiful kind of Chinese dress. I picture and I Google what it is, and I picture it in my head when I'm reading, and then I try and uh, translate that onto the page in the play. But then there's going to be another translation that happens later on, past what either of us do, when the director or the designer dresses an actor into the chi pao, and the, the actor stands onto st- uh, walks onto stage in that. There's this whole other um, world that comes alive. So there, there's three different stages of this of, of mm. 
the, the, the things that are conveyed by that, that character. There's, there's what Sher originally intends, what I, what I interpret from that, and then what the, the living, breathing people bring to life on the stage. And I love that transformation from one to the other. And Adam, you like, you like the part when you, when the chorus coming and say, she's lying. <laughs> she's lying. <laughs> that was beautifully done. <laughs> Adam, what would you suggest to someone if they're interested in to, uh, to attempt to write a play? What would probably be the first thing you would advise them to do before they start writing it? See a play. See lots of plays. Okay. Um, I, I think for me, the the biggest thing for before you write a play is you try and gather as many different things in um, that you know the play is going to be before you even begin. So um, if, you're, if you see 10 plays in a particular theatre, then you will picture that theatre in your mind when you're writing. So you'll know this is the dimensions of the stage. This is how many characters I can fit on the stage. And, and so you can, even if you start off with knowing the, the, the dimensions of the stage, but then say to yourself, okay, I want to write a play that has... With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Four characters in it. And then suddenly you can see, okay. A, a, a music, the musicality of the play is, is split between four voices, and then you sort of start thinking about the genders, the, sex, the sexes of the, the, the actors and the characters. Um, you think about how long a play you want to write. Is it ten minutes or ninety minutes? Uh, and I think it's just gathering as many things that you know before you start. It will make it so much. It will stop writer's block essentially. Have have a bunch of tools before you even sit down to try to write, and then hopefully, if you know you've got four characters speaking for forty minutes in a stage that you can see in your mind because you've seen plays in that theater, it'll just and, and also obviously you've got to have an idea. <laughs> what do I want to write about? What what is the not not an idea of what I want to the answer, but the question I want to explore. What's the question I want to explore? Like what is love? Or what does it mean for a loved one to die? Or, or um, what is racism? <laughs> you know, like have a question that you want to explore. And if you've got a question you want to explore, you just spend the next 90 minutes trying to answer it. And that's all you need to do. That's interesting. So you kind of back into it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like instead of... Deconstructing of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You you create the scenarios that you will need in order to be able to create your characters that will carry it through. 
That's right. Did yeah. I interpret that correctly? Absolutely, yeah. 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 I mean, it's different when I'm adapting a, a, a someone else's story right. because I don't have to do any of that invention. It's, right. it's all been done for me. Um, but what I do have to do is is figure out, okay, so how can I, the life that's in the book, how can I bring that life onto the stage and 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 keep it alive and 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 make it flourish like that's 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 my job and um then i have to think about okay so what tools do i have to work with i i know there's you know theater theater really is all of the different art forms compressed into one so so you know you've got all every every art form that every other artist works with every 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 medium that every other artist works with you've got at your disposal if you want to use them and, that, and that's what I have to think about when, I, when I'm writing. And in some ways, it's just like a novel for you. You actually visualize the the set itself. In. Me? Oh, sure. No, you. <laughs> you, Adam. Oh, yeah. When yeah. you're writing, wouldn't you also visualize the set, I would think, as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, I, I've known, again, I've known what theater the initial production of this is going to be in, although it hasn't been built yet because it's being rebuilt. <laughs> um, but, but, I, but I know... What it's, I know what the plans are for it to look like, so I know that we won't. Yeah, I, I know we're not working in a, a, a huge auditorium for the first production, so I know that I have to create a work that will work in a fairly intimate space, and but also one that, that can then um, have life beyond that intimate space, because you know hopefully we have ambitions for it not to just be that initial production. Right. So yeah. so yeah. So I, I and I also you know. In terms of just in terms of knowing how much money you're working with is is important, and I I'm, I come from the background of working with no money, so so and that's 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 freeing as well, knowing that largely you're working with bodies and voices, and and um, you're not working with massive rotating sets. And um, I saw a play in the Adelaide Festival the other day where. Oh, the walls and the floor did amazing things. <laughs> was a, uh, Romeo Castellucci, who's like, you know, got a lot of money to work with, and, and we don't have. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but, yeah. So I, I know those things. There is a similarity similarity between that and an independent film because when you're writing a, 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 a script, if you have the idea in mind that. What if a studio doesn't pick this up? It's no different than a novelist. You know, oftentimes a lot of people go out there and self-publish. We're both self-published, and I know Cher, aren't you self-published, Cher? No, we've we've the memoir is self-published, but with King's Quest is published by a small publisher. Oh, okay. But the point yeah. is, is that you have self-published. So sometimes it's getting the vision on paper and saying, I'm going to get that out there no matter what. And it, even when you're writing a script, sometimes you have to realize. Actually, I'm working on one right now where I've had to do that because a lot of the, the, the set takes place in Europe. And part of the discussion I've had with the producers is that we don't have a budget for that to go over there and take a, a whole cast and film. A lot of it would have to be CGI. You know, you go over there and you, and you – it's on a train, so you would do the settings and stuff, and then you would come back and use a green screen. So even when you're writing a script, it's like a play in some ways. You have to think about that budget. Like, well – who am I writing for? Am I writing for a studio or am I writing for an independent film? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I listened to an interview with the, the guys who made make uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia the other day. And they made their pilot episode of their TV show. I think for the price of one digital cassette, you know, it was uh -huh. like $12 or something like that. 
that's all the money they spent. And now they've got, I don't know, 12, 14, 15 seasons of a, of a show. And, and it showed, like, whenever anyone says to me, uh, I can't make this, especially a play, it's maybe different with a film, but especially a play because no one will put it on. It's like, well, put it on yourself. Right. <laughs> Find somewhere that you can do it for for free or for a take of the door or, um, yeah, somewhere that sells drinks that they can make money off selling drinks while you put it on. Well, you recently had the Grammys here, and there were two artists who won awards this year, and one pr- did his entire song for $50. Huh. He produced that song for $50. He actually wrote the, the lyrics – and he, he – what is called borrowed the melody from YouTube. You paid $30, and he gave him the rights to use that. And then he went to a studio, so he paid $30 for that. Then he went to a studio that offered their studio for $15 an hour in the off hours when they weren't using it. Oh. And he went in, and for a total of $50, he produced that song, which became – literally, it's the longest it, – it's been on the chart 16 weeks, more wow. than any song in history. And he did that for fifty dollars. And then incredible. the other young lady who wrote a song, she and her brother wrote in his bedroom. The whole thing was produced in the bedroom. They oh. did not have an orchestra. They did not have a band. It was all synthesized on the computer. And I think she won like four or five Grammys. The point is, is exactly what you said. You just have to have the ambition and the determination that I can do this. And and I think even for someone who writes a novel. Right now, we're we're talking like it's easy. But Morgan, I know when you started your first novel, you couldn't have thought this is easy. I know I didn't. When, I, <laughs> well, my first novel was A Corpse in the Soup from the Silver Sisters series. And my sister and I were both published writers. The thing is, we hadn't written fiction. Right. So we thought it, we had it nailed. You know, we went along. She was a journalist and an advertising specialist, and I wrote magazine articles and newspaper articles, and the rules are all different. So we had our point of view all over the place. We had too much description. We had all kinds of things, and um, we learned what we didn't know because we got a lot of rejections instead of having, you know, we got to have this book. And so we worked with a manuscript evaluator and completely rewrote the book in the period of a year, got a publisher, and won an award with it. So it was a question of we were obviously seasoned writers, but not in that genre. So we didn't know the rules that came along with it. And I wanted to say something else. You know, you're talking about the passion of getting the project there And you mentioned that I'd had a book under option to Sony Pictures. Well, that was a really interesting situation. Incest, Murder, and a Miracle is mixed genre, and it's a true story, and it is a story of survival and a story of inspiration from an abuse victim and somebody, her husband, who was dead for 43 minutes from a heart attack and was brought back to life. And... Sony supposedly assigned a screenwriter to the project. It was under option for two years. And when they dropped it, the explanation was, to some degree, that the screenwriter didn't know how to do the mixed genre. It's now under interest from another group of producers. And they say, 
we get it. We know how we have to do this yeah. thing. So here we are with this big company that assigned a producer and a screenwriter, and they couldn't figure out how to make the book work. And I think kind of with what, what Cher did, I, I actually think that's so fantastic you placed an ad for someone to yeah. – <laughs> To do your play. Most people wouldn't think to do that. We go the hard route. We write query letters and send them out and just right. wait for the rejections to come in. It's also interesting, Adam, that you happen to be the one who was writing that ad. That's I just a... I out, by the way. Other people did apply. It wasn't just me. Oh, so you did send it out. I thought maybe you held it back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll let you right now. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't say no. No one else is seeing this. <laughs> the whole thing about passion... Uh, to me, is a lifetime goal to get the message to people that you have to heighten your awareness for a society to to survive, to, to work um, peacefully, or to some degree an understanding of what is going on with the different forces, with the different migrants and whatever not are coming in. You have to have an to heighten your awareness of what is going through your head, to, to understand your, your own feelings about things and recognize it and work on it for, uh, you know, to working towards a more harmonious sort of society. I think part of what we're all talking about here is that if you want to, if you want to accomplish something, whether it be write a novel, write a screenplay, or write a script, you kind of have to just get it in your head that don't let anyone tell you you can't do it for one because I did have that. I was told I didn't have the educational background to write a novel. And the other thing is is that you have to just say, I'm going to do this. I don't care how sloppy exactly. it is, how it's going to read because there's always someone who can help you with it. There's always someone who can come along and say, well, you might want to do this or you might want to go this route. Or you, there's, there, that's what editors are for, for one thing. Um, or script doctors. You just can't let people talk you out of it. You have to have that determination. And that's kind of what you're saying, Cher. You have to heighten yourself to the point to where I can do this. Yes, you know, I, I'm not going to let anyone tell me no. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and the, and the, you see, I've been in many writers' groups. You've got to be very careful because everybody will want to say it's easy to criticize. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you need to take the parts that you that you agree with, that, but you, you need to have uh, a, a direction of where you want to go because you'll be lost otherwise listening to X, Y, and Z all the time because you'll get nowhere. Right. Some people have revised their first chapters for, I don't know, five years. Yeah, well, that is so true, Cher. You have to kind of listen to critique and then decide what works for you and what doesn't. Yeah. We've got a, a reading coming up soon of, of the, 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 the current play, the draft of the play that we've currently got. It's, it'll be the first time that we have some people read it out in front of a, um, an audience. And I, I've been to a lot of those readings in the past and everyone's got a different opinion. Everyone's got a different thing they want to say and people love to have their voices heard in, in those situations. So, yeah, we've got to be really careful about, okay, so what are we going into this reading looking for? What are, what are, what are, what are the um, puzzles that we want to put together from this reading and not just listen to every voice? That we have to be sure of our own voice, at yeah. least to an extent. Well, and then the unfortunate thing is, 
sometimes with critiques, people say things that aren't kind just because they can. Right. There are people like that. I think it makes them feel like they're more important, that what they've done is more important or better. You have to learn how to recognize people like that and how to develop a thick skin. Yeah. Because unfortunately, you know, some people who are very sensitive, if they get a bad critique, they're destroyed and put the thing away. And yeah. it's so part of being a writer, a playwright, a screenplay, a screen, <laughs> screenplay writer is to have that little tough outer skin so that you can take critique and you well, can listen to it. Even myself as, as, as an author... You know, I've had to do book signings. And I'm going to be honest with you. I hate book signings. <laughs> I don't hate them because of meeting the public. I actually like meeting the public. My fear is the critique part of it. Like, what are they going to say if they get the book home and they don't like it? You know, that's what goes through my mind. It's like – and it's very hard to get past when it's your work because it's your baby and you think it's great. And it's kind of like what Morgan said. You're going to have to take the good with the bad. Not everyone's going to like what you wrote. There are going to – some people who think it's fantastic. And that's the hardest thing, I think, for someone who's a creator or an artist in our field to get past is like that rejection. And I know, Adam, you've had to have gone through this with the numerous – I mean I don't know how many plays are here, but good lord, there's a lot here. Well, well actually, the, the play of mine that has been the most successful that's had productions all over the world and, and has been produced in production somewhere in the world Well, for about 10 years, it was it – was, <laughs> being produced somewhere around the world in various different languages. That started off actually a, a film company hired me to write a, um, an aud- what was to be an audition piece for, for an actor for for this thing that had happened, this true story that had happened. And they wanted a 40-minute a, a audition piece because it was going to be a really challenging role for one person. And that never went anywhere, and the film company... I mean, for various reasons. Someone else actually picked up that story and made a, a Hollywood film out of it. But, but um, that, that the, I was rejected, essentially, by that film company. And I put that, what I had written, just in a drawer for several years until a, a girlfriend of mine at the time, who happened to be a director, found it in the drawer and read it and loved it. And as I say, it, it then just had this massive success. I thought it was garbage. I thought it was terrible because I'd written it for this thing. It was rejected. And I just thought, well, and it also wasn't very like anything I'd written before. So I thought, oh, obviously, it's just not very good. But, you know, uh, um, so I didn't, I didn't trust the voice that I used when I wrote it. And it was only sometimes you get opportunities that just open doors for you. That yeah, you that's true. <laughs> And that's why you should never give up. If you if you yeah. really want to do it, um, and and you don't know where it's going to lead you next. And that's I know right. Morgan, you've definitely experienced it. I did. My writing led to this radio show. I never set out to ever ever do radio. It was never something I've ever dreamed I wanted to do. Never something I thought I was going to do. But I actually helped people publish in the past, and I actually would help them get their manuscripts ready to go, and self publish and get out there. So I helped her get it out there, and we did a book launching party, and I invited the media. And it was someone who came in from a radio station that actually said to me – well, they asked her, how did you do it? And she (laughs) says, you need to ask James. He's the one who did it all. And then they came to me, and they said, did you ever think about talking about this on the air? And it frightened me 
because you the first show I remember I froze. I actually hyperventilated. <laughs> Thank God there was someone on the show who could see that in my face and would start talking. And so the next day when the general manager called me and said, so that was a great show last night. I said, I know it was horrible. He goes, no, no, it was really good. I said, it couldn't have been because I froze. He goes, well, we didn't hear it on the air. From there, they gave me ideas on how I could do better and make it better. And, and it just evolved. And I've been doing this eight years. This is not something I plan to do. So sometimes if you just have the courage to go forward and say, I'm going to do this anyway, whether I fail or not, I'm going to try. You don't know where it's going to lead to. You don't know what's going to happen next. Right. And like in my instance, I basically write funny mysteries. That's what I enjoy doing. And I was approached to co-author a memoir for a woman who was an abuse survivor, had an amazing background and story. And I'd never done anything like that. Um, The person who approached me was... Dennis N. Griffin, who writes a lot of true crime, and he's a true crime historian. And I wanted to politely say, well, thanks, but no thanks. And I said, well, I'm really busy. And he said, well, let me send you this woman's bullet points before you say no. He said, because I really need a female co-author on this. There are certain things that I need those emotions And I know you've had PTSD, and she has it, and I really would like you on this project. So Mm -hmm. he sends me the bullet points, and I start going down them, and I'm thinking this woman has to be like 70 years old to have Mm -hmm. all these things happen to her and survive all these things. But when I got to a bullet point, you probably don't know what the Crips are, but the Crips are a notorious gang in the United States. When I saw that she was a female white woman leader in the Crips, I said, no, I have to know more about this. Okay, so I helped to write her story. She became a surrogate daughter to me. That was an added bonus. She's one of the most amazing women I've ever met. I became an advocate for abuse awareness and abuse prevention, which is something I never thought I would do. And then another project came to me, which is The Incest, Murder, and a Miracle, which was another amazing story of an abuse survivor. And I co-authored that book, and I gained another surrogate daughter. So I love these two girls like they're my own. And it's kind of like with Cher. I'm sure that since you've met Adam, that's opened up a whole new world for you there. (laughs) (laughs) Adam. <laughs> well, do let's, we, let's do we censor way. your remarks here? <laughs> At least it's opened up a whole new world for Adam, if nothing else. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, like I'm doing something I, I've I've got very little experience doing just in, just in taking shares uh, words and, and trying to put them on the stage and trying to negotiate. Um, yeah, how to do how to do that? And I, I I'm learning heaps from it. I think that you will. When you see your um, this novel up on the stage that you you didn't feel like you had the skills to adapt yourself, you're going to see so many things that oh, I know that now. I know I know what that is. Right. And maybe next time you'll write the play. Yeah, Cheryl yeah. write the play. And that's exactly what we're talking about. Yeah, is they can. It can turn into an amazing learning experience yeah. along with your own expertise. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Well, yes, it's always good to learn something new. As I said, <laughs> I've done very short plays in the past and enjoyed it. You know, naughty plays. So this will give you the courage to write your own in the future. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're about to run out of time here. So first I want to ask Cher, Cher, where can we learn about your books? Because you have a couple there. And yeah. so why don't you tell us about where we can go to get your book? Oh, go and get my book? No, 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 on the internet. <laughs> oh, okay. oh, where to get it? Yeah, yeah, where can you? <laughs> you could go get it, but the audience won't see it that's listening. So, well, But where can they go get it on the internet? Uh, I, I think Amazon. Okay. It's possibly still selling it. The the unfortunately the publisher being very small has gone bankrupt. Oh. But, um, but I've got thirty of them sitting here. If people want, they can they can write to me on my email. Okay, what's your email? Okay, I'll um, it's c chizz at gmail dot com. And it's c and then c h it's c c h i d Z-E-Y at gmail.com. C for China. C, Sidzi. You're right. H for Hong Kong. I for India. D for Denmark. Z for Zoo. E for England. Y for York. At gmail.com. Okay. You can write to me. Right. I, um, yeah. And Adam, where can we learn about your work? And then an app that I want you to tell us where we can also, where, what's going to go on with the play when it's going to come out. So, so my work, I mean, my best-known play is a play called I Love You, Bro, which if people are interested in that, they can they can find it on a website um, called, uh, they can order it from playlabpublishing.com.au um, maybe. Uh, but but, but if, if, you, if they search for I Love You, Bro by Adam J.A. Cast, they'll, they'll, they'll find a, a link to that. There'll be several places where they could get that. Um, if they're interested in my book about La Mama Theatre. I don't know if they will be, but they could contact La Mama Theatre in, in Australia. I'm the person who answers the emails there. So. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, you're all over the place, aren't you? You're interfering in everyone's... <laughs> yeah. I'm a writer. I have to have 400 different jobs. So. Um, uh, but yeah, also, if they're interested just generally in my other work, yeah, they can they can email me too, just at adam underscore cass at hotmail.com if, if <laughs> They're interested in that. Um, yeah, I'd be willing to send anyone any of my work. <laughs> if, okay. if, you know, if they want to put on a production of something I've done somewhere around the world. Um, but, yeah, as for the play, the, the Ken's Quest play, uh, we, we are about halfway through the writing, the writing process of it. Uh, we have a, a play reading of it coming up in April, which will then inform the third draft, which... Maybe the final draft, or maybe we want one, one other draft after that. We'll, we'll, we'll just see. And then hopefully when um, La Mama is rebuilt in 2021, um, well, not hopefully, it will go ahead. I'm just not sure exactly when. Um, there, there will be a production in Melbourne of, of the play, which, you know, if it goes well, will be the first of many. Well, you'll come back on the show, hopefully, before the play is on stage and let us know what's going on. We'll talk about it again. We'll be much more advanced in our stress <laughs> with each other about the writing process. Uh, by, by the way, uh, people can access um, information on King Square on the Facebook page. There is a King Square Facebook page. So it's K E N S Q U E S T? Yep. Yep. Dot com? Yeah. K- yeah. 
Um. <laughs> she, she's looking it up. <laughs> it's not in your notes. <laughs> well, while you're doing that, real quick, uh, uh, tell everyone where they can get your, your okay. books. Okay, my books are all on Amazon, on Barnes and Noble, on just about every online bookseller internationally. And uh, my website is www.morgansaintjames, that's S-T-J-A-M-E-S dot com. And you'll find out more about me than you really want to know. You'll find things about my books. And um, I invite you to visit my website. All right. So now where can we go to find out about Ken's Quest? Yep. It's Ken's Quest book at... On the, that's the Facebook page. Is Ken's Quest book? That's that's just what. All right, and that's on Facebook. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. Well, I'd like to thank my guest, Adam J. A. Cass, and Cher Chisney. Chids, Chidsney, correct? Chidney. Yeah. Chidney. All right. <laughs> and until next week, this is your host, James Kelly, reminding you: if you can dream it, you can write it. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, Thank you for listening to Aspects of Writing. We hope you will join us next week as we discuss every aspect of the writing industry. Until then, if you can dream it, you can write it. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.